Again, good morning, and uh, trust that you'll pray for me and pray for one another as we uh, as we meet together this morning and look into some things from God's Word. Uh, had been mentioning for uh, probably a few weeks uh, as we were closing out some things related to uh, God's vision for the church and uh, what He would have us to be as as a, as a church. And uh, we've talked for considerable months about. Uh, uh, looking at God's Word and saying, well, what's God's vision for us as a church? And uh, we talked about much of that, of course, loving one another, <clears throat> being one of the great signs of, of, uh, of that God would have our church to display. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope I don't get into coughing this morning. But anyway, uh, you know, as we looked at that, that uh, our hearts ought to be to love one another and to uh, love Him. And as we talked about that, uh, and some of the metaphors that are laid out, God gives us a metaphor of the building and the bride, and uh, and so uh, and so as we talked about some of those some of those things and the body, uh, and as we talked about some of those things, it began to uh, kind of work up into me a little bit to think about the fact that <clears throat> one of the great things that Jesus came teaching and. Brother Adam has been going through and uh, teaching through through the book of Matthew for quite some time now. One of the things that's mentioned there on several different occasions is the fact uh, that Jesus came preaching and uh, John the Baptist came preaching saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and so uh, as, we, as my mind has thought about that, and I've preached probably on the kingdom some off and on uh, over the last close to 30 years, and uh, uh, but beginning to look at it a little bit more and trying to put some more depth into it for us, I guess, as we look at it here uh, today and maybe in the, in the coming weeks, um, looking at some things that relate to saying what, what, is, and, uh, what is and where is the kingdom of God uh, and how... Uh, if we know, and we do know, that uh, the Bible says that you can't see the kingdom except you be born again. But if you can see it, how do you enter into it? Uh, and how do you not enter into it? And what are the consequences uh, for us? And so as we begin to look at some of this today, I, I trust, and we'll try to give a little historical perspective too, uh, to when I think, uh, things first began to kind of come on the scene because we've been we've been studying and talking here for uh, as we've gone through the book of Genesis and Exodus and all that we see God forming a nation uh, and a nation that would be uh, he said he chose Israel not because they were the greatest of peoples but because they were the least and as we look at that and think about that uh, at least this has been my mind and thought you know when he says that he chose them not because they were the greatest but because they were the least uh, in my mind. To show you how least they were, uh, they were one man by the name of Abraham is where it started. And God took one man by the name of Abraham, and when he was in his old age, he blessed Abraham to have a... And not only was he in his old age, but his wife Sarah was also in her old age, and both of them, past being able to have children, God blessed them to have one child, uh, Isaac. Uh, and so God took one man, Abraham, and then one promised child, he was a promised child, uh, that he promised to them, that he promised them that they would have a, a child, and in that child all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so we have 
the least of all people, the least of all uh, uh, peoples, one man, Abraham, one child, Isaac, two children by the name of Jacob and Esau. Uh, and out of those two children, God chose Jacob and not Esau, one person. And that man, Jacob, had 12 children. Uh, and out of those 12 children uh, became 12 tribes. Uh, and in, uh, in, in the time of Jacob's family, uh, you, had a, you had a child of Jacob by the name of Joseph who ended up down in Egypt so that he might be a deliverer or a savior, if you would like to even think of it that way, of the nation of Israel and was down there in a place and position of authority by God's grace. Uh, he went in as a slave, ended up in prison, raised up to the highest seat except for Pharaoh in the land of Egypt so that he might deliver his family. And so Joseph went and delivered his family, which was 70 people at the time, down to Egypt. 71, Joseph plus the 70 that came in down there. 71 going in down there to that, to that place. Uh, I'd, it'd be fun to jump off to the side right now. We could talk about how when Jesus sent out his uh, disciples to preach, he sent 70, two by two. Uh, uh, interesting numbers just to look at things sometimes and think about God's word. Uh, but the 70 went down to Egypt. Uh, uh, and after 400 years... A great multitude came out and God established a nation that would be holy to him and serve him as a natural nation. But this is not the kingdom of God, okay? And I hope that as we begin to look at some of this today, uh, uh, that you'll begin to get a hint uh, of what God's kingdom is. Uh, and again, how, how we can... Uh, press into it. Uh, the Bible, Jesus himself said that the, the law and the prophets were until John. Uh, but since that time, the kingdom of heaven is preached and every man presseth into it. Uh, so there's just some interesting things that we continue to find throughout scripture about the kingdom of God. So God started with a nation, uh, uh, the least of all peoples, one man, Abraham. He made them a great multitude and brought them out of Egypt. And he did that so that he might, because uh, he told Abraham that in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. This nation, Israel, and particularly uh, uh, the tribe of Judah, which was one of the sons of, uh, of uh, Jacob, uh, out of that lineage of Judah would come a Savior called Jesus Christ. Christ, our Lord, that would be born in Bethlehem uh, and come preaching uh, uh, in the uh, after the forerunner, which was John the Baptist, which came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ came preaching, saying also, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These things were foretold. If we go back uh, and look at the book of Daniel for just a minute, and I want to just began to give a little historical perspective on some of these things by looking at the uh, second chapter of the book of Daniel uh, because we find in this chapter that King Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream uh, and, he's, and, and as he revealed this dream to one by the name of Daniel, uh, Daniel began to reveal to him what this dream was all about. Uh, and uh, we'll probably have to skip across instead of reading and taking the time spending the, the reading the whole second chapter of the book of Daniel. Uh, we'll just start uh, beginning with about verse 31. He says, Thou, O king, sawest, 
And behold, a great image, this great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. Uh, by the way, I'll just say this, uh, because here's, here's the trick of what's going on. Uh, the king had a dream. Uh, he wanted the, uh, his magicians down there in Babylon to interpret the dream for him. Uh, uh, but he wouldn't tell them what the dream was. <laughs> and so uh, uh, somebody says, well, you know, there's this guy by the name of Daniel. He, can, he seems to have a, uh, a pretty good gift at doing some of these kind of things. Uh, and so Daniel goes in and prays, uh, and uh, without the king telling him uh, what his dream was, Daniel came and told him what the dream was. Uh, and so he begins, uh, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. His, this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, uh, and his legs of iron. Iron, his feet part iron and part clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Now, uh, just to give you a hint uh, of what's going on, uh, this stone that was cut out, not made with hands, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, uh, which came and brought an end, uh, uh, as it were, to uh, uh, worldly kingdoms ruling over uh, uh, so many things, or, or establishing the fact that this, his kingdom would be brought brought in during the times of these earthly kingdoms, laying exact markers down for us to say, this is when the kingdom will begin uh, to be shown in its fullness. Uh, and so uh, he tells us that this uh, this uh, image would be smote uh, upon its iron feet uh, that were made of iron and clay and break into pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like chaff in the summer threshing floors. Uh, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that, was sm that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So this stone that smote the image of, of gold and silver and brass and iron and clay and iron mixed together uh, is going to become a great mountain and it's going to fill the whole earth. This is the dream and we tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art, the, art a king of kings for God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. One of the things that uh, you know, a lot of people would today would would almost begin to teach and talk about, and seemingly uh, portray that God. Uh, Especially those that are, are dualist type natures, uh, uh, they'll begin to uh, to teach and preach that uh, God just kind of set the old world in motion and just doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. Uh, uh, but uh, our God is still working today in this old world just as He's always worked. Uh, he is active in the uh, affairs of men. Uh, and the Bible says He raises kings up uh, and He takes kings down. Uh, uh, here He tells Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, that He's a king of kings uh, and that God... God has given him power and a kingdom uh, and uh, uh, given him a kingdom, power and strength and glory and so forth. So God is the one that made Nebuchadnezzar such a great king. Uh, the Bible further tells us uh, that he raised up this king uh, Nebuchadnezzar over Babylon. Uh, that Babylon might be used as an instrument of God. Uh, as we studied through Jeremiah uh, a little bit here in uh, recent months, uh, uh, that Babylon would be an instrument in God's hand to come and, and punish the uh, nation Israel. 
Israel uh, because of their rebellious nature, because uh, God who had made them a holy nation, yet they had rebelled against God and began to worship all kinds of images, uh, uh, worshiping Baal, uh, some of them worshiping Molech, and other uh, child sacrifice things that were going on at that time. And uh, there's some things that we can look about at the kingdom uh, as we look at that that uh, gives good answers to some things that are going on even today. But he says, And whosoever, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field, verse 38, Daniel chapter 2, uh, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he made into thine hand and, and made thee ruler over all. Thou art this, thou art this head of gold. So this image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen, uh, Daniel begins to describe to him that it had a head of, that was of fine gold and breast and arms of silver. His belly and his thighs were made of brass. Uh, his legs, which I, I take that to be like from the knees down, uh, is what he's calling legs, were made of iron. Uh, and his feet partially of iron and clay. And then he reveals to him, as we've looked at here in 38, the Nebuchadnezzar is that head of gold. So this weird image and weird dream that Nebuchadnezzar's had, and that Daniel has now revealed to him what the dream was, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're a king of kings. God's given you a kingdom and power and strength and glory and all this. And you are this head of gold that's seen in this image. And after thee, verse 39, shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And we know from historical reasons, as well as studying the scriptures, if we go in and look at after Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom of Babylon failed, they were conquered by Cyrus of the Medes and Persians. So the Medes and the Persians conquered them. So he would have been that next kingdom, that it was the breast of silver and the arms of silver. That's what was displayed there. And he says another kingdom is going to come in after that, which is a kingdom of brass, which represented by the legs, or the thighs, I guess, that and the belly of this vision that Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about. He says, uh, this third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. Uh, and we know the Medes and the Persians were conquered by none other than Alexander the Great. Uh, uh, so the Greek kingdom and uh, uh, many times, in, in fact, in other visions that were seen here in the book of, uh, of Daniel, uh, uh, the, uh, the kingdom of, uh, of Alexander the Great is sometimes portrayed as, a, as like a leopard. Uh, and that's because he, was, he had a small army, uh, but he moved fast. He conquered what was the known part of the world in that day from India over to like Rome and down into the Middle East there where uh, Egypt and Israel and all those nations were. What was the known civilizations of that day? Alexander conquered them in a very short period of time uh, to the fact that uh, so the, the history records for us that he was like 30 years old or whatever it was and he wept and mourned because there were no more worlds for him to conquer. Uh, and and so, uh, uh, so that's that kingdom of brass that he's talking about. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for 
For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, uh, but there shall be uh, be in it uh, of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay." And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, and they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So we've got what follows after the uh, the fall of the uh, the Greek Empire uh, four key, four uh, four separate rulers of the Greeks came up and took over uh, the Seleucids and uh, 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 the Ptolemies and so forth and they had various parts of what was left of the uh, of the Greek Empire and the Greeks were then conquered uh, by the Romans uh, and so the Roman Empire comes into place uh, and pretty much is taken to be that fourth kingdom, uh, that kingdom of iron, which was very uh, tough in rule. And I, I like to think that uh, as we look at the fall of the Roman Empire, uh, we see it breaking up, broken into many different branches, but two different branches, particularly uh, the east and the west. Uh, and so, uh, which is where we get sometimes today the uh, the Greek Orthodox Church was left over in the western part of it, and uh, uh, or the eastern part of it. And uh, so, uh, as we look at these things, the the Bible is portraying this in Daniel's day, which Daniel lived sometime in the late early 500 or 400 BC time frame before the time of the coming of Christ and foretold all these things that were going to happen over the next 400 to 500 years. Amazing uh, that God was able to, re- to reveal, this, reveal this to him in visions and to see all of this. And he tells him that during the time of that, uh, that kingdom that was made of iron and mixed with iron and clay, that during that time there was going to be a rock not made with hands that was going to be cut out and he was going to come out and going to destroy. Well, if you if you think about all this, uh, during that time of iron, uh, which was the Roman Empire, uh, and, and once the uh, uh, Roman Empire began to break down into its various parts, uh, its various kingdoms, the kingdom of God rose up and conquered the whole world. The gospel went out and spread all across the world. Uh, in fact, a lot of people believe that part of the fall down of the Roman Empire during that day was the fact that Christians began to go and spread uh, all across the part of the Roman Empire. Uh, the Roman Empire and, and all the beauty. You know, the, you love to think about things, how God works some beautiful things. Uh, uh, the Romans were built big on building roads. Uh, they had roads that were made out of stones that uh, used slaves to build out beautiful uh, highways for their armies to travel on. Oh, that, that was their purpose in building those roads. Uh, uh, but it sure made a good walking path to the Apostle Paul and Peter to go out and spread, to, spread the gospel and plant to various churches. Of course, we know they went by ship, but they went by land uh, and traveled from various places. So he gives all that to us here. And, and as he talks about this, we're at verse 43 now, Daniel chapter 2. Whereas the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas 
thou sawest uh, iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, and they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and shall stand forever." Uh, God's kingdom is, uh, is a kingdom that's not going to be destroyed like these earthly kingdoms are going to be destroyed. Uh, it, God established His kingdom, and it's a kingdom that shall stand forever and ever and ever. And uh, So, <clears throat> I wanted to say this to begin with, because today's kind of like a, a preparatory, if you want to call it, to beginning, to beginning to look into all this. We find as we begin to look at the kingdom of God that it says... Uh, one thing that the Bible says about the kingdom uh, is that it's mysterious. It's a great mystery uh, to many people. And, uh, and I say that, in fact, to the light that uh, as Jesus was describing in, in uh, many occasions to his disciples, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is likened to, uh, and he would go into describing various things, and he would speak these things in parables, because he said, uh, the mystery is given unto you to understand, talking to his disciples, but to others it's not given to understand. Isn't, isn't that strange? Uh, uh, if, we, if we looked at the, uh, uh, the gospel today uh, as, as taught by many people around uh, uh, the country and the world, uh, uh, you'd think that anybody that would get up and teach anything that would hide something from someone else would be uh, uh, causing those people to lose uh, uh, the opportunity to gain eternal life because things were being hidden. But, but Christ got up and talked to his disciples so that they might know the mysteries of the kingdom and others not know the mysteries of the kingdom. Isn't that amazing to think about? So uh, the kingdom of heaven can be mysterious in some ways. Uh, and uh, as he was talking about these things being brought to pass, uh, uh, what, I, what I couldn't help but think about was uh, uh, anybody in here like mysteries, uh, like to, to watch mystery movies or anything like that? Well, we've got a mystery here. God has given us a teaching here, and so a lot of times we're wondering what what can we you know what is exciting about coming and studying by. Well, we've got a mystery. We've got a kingdom uh, that God has revealed to some folks, but not revealed to others. Hmm, that sounds interesting. Uh, uh, we've got uh, we've almost got like science fiction going on here because there's things that we can talk about where you can enter into it, but you can't. But maybe you can't. Uh, everybody can't see it. Uh, almost sounds like some of these mystery kingdoms that are out there, you know, maybe the force will be with us, right? Uh, it, you can't quite see it, but it's out there working all the time in some things that are going on. Uh, uh, and there are people that are seeing it and entering into it. Uh, and there are people that are close to it, but not quite in it. Oh, Kind of interesting, right? Kind of, kind of sets me to thinking about some things that are interesting here this morning. About this kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. By the way, as we go through, you're going to find I'll interchange uh, verses uh, a little bit to say sometimes the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven. That's typically a Matthew type thing uh, uh, in the book of Matthew where it says kingdom of heaven. Uh, uh, that's because Matthew was writing more from a Jewish perspective. Uh, kingdom of heaven was what uh, was the wording they used. Uh, uh, but Jesus himself is quoted by Luke and Mark and John and others often talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, he also talks about my kingdom and his kingdom. 
Also, we find all of these things gathered together in verses uh, in various places. So Daniel tells us here that in the days of these kings, verse 44 of Daniel chapter 2, uh, uh, that the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom and shall, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but shall, be, but shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to me, uh, made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure, Daniel says. So uh, uh, he begins to talk to him about these things. So, uh, so well, wow, that's interesting. We go on to go uh, to find out uh, as you read through the book of Daniel. You get over to about chapter nine. He gives up uh, uh, the uh, the angel Gabriel comes and appears unto uh, uh, to Daniel while he's praying, uh, and he pray appears to him in the evening and gives him a prophecy of 70 weeks uh, that are co- that are to come uh, that are to be uh, uh, cast upon the nations uh, nation uh, uh, into the future and prophesying that at the time uh, that the end of these weeks would come uh, that there would going there was going to be a great uh, great deliverance that was going to take place so we turn over and I'm going to take from those things in Daniel we'll, let's turn over just briefly uh, to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, and we'll find at least uh, one portion of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 12 because we're just trying to piece some things together a little bit this morning and begin to talk about where is this kingdom? How how, uh, how can I enter into it? Oh, and by the way, it, uh, as Adam, Brother Adam's been preaching about some in the, uh, in the book of Matthew, we can find out who's the greatest in the kingdom. We can also find out who's the least in the kingdom. We can also find out What's your position in the kingdom, right? Because you can ask yourself, where is my position? What am I doing? And what can I do to possess it? Because I want to have a possession in this kingdom. And if, uh, and if there's a place for that, then I want to know what I can do. So here in uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, as Jesus is uh, talking to the Pharisees and on, on one occasion, uh, it says, and we'll try to, uh, to dive into the middle of this, verse 14 of Matthew chapter 12. That may be too early, but anyway, a uh, good place to start. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 says, Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him, talking about Christ, how they might destroy him. And when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great, and great multitudes followed, after, uh, followed him, and he healed them all and charged them that they should not make, uh, should not make him known that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till, the, till, the, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So he begins to go into this, uh, uh, going out and healing and teaching, healing all of those that came to him. Do you know that uh, even in Israel in those days, you had both Jews and Gentiles that were living there in that part of the world. He was healing, it says, them all. And it says, uh, Then was brought to him one possessed with the devil, verse 22, blind and dumb, and he healed him, and so much that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. So we have a man 
who was blind and also not able to speak. Uh, and so uh, they brought him to Jesus. Jesus healed him. Uh, and it says uh, he healed him so that he could both speak and then he could also see. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? People recognize there's something different about this guy. Sure there was. Uh, go back. I mean, you have to go back to the times of Elijah, right? Uh, to the young man that had uh, uh, Elijah was going by the, the lady's house that had the young boy. Uh, and the finally he comes by one time and the young boy has died. And uh, she begins to plead with him. And Elijah goes and falls on top of him. And he comes back to life. You've got to go back to Elijah-type time frames to see this kind of work being done at all. Uh, and uh, never have you gone back and read anywhere of somebody being able to see that was not able to see prior to this. Uh, so these people say, this is the son of David. This is the one the Scriptures have been talking about that would come. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth cast out devils, but by Beelzebub... The prince of devils. Oh, so now you've got the religious leaders that are coming along. And the religious leaders of the days are saying, he's doing this by the power of the devil. Ooh. Not, you know, it's never good for any of us to look on the graces and the mercies of God in our lives. And especially when you look at something great and spectacular like what was taking place then, and give the credit to the devil. And that's what they did. The Pharisees said he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now he, he goes to a very practical lesson and says, kingdoms that are divided, they eventually fall. When you've got divided leadership, when you... Oh, that's probably a good warning to all of us in America today. Uh, kingdoms divided against itself will fall, my friends. Houses, husbands and wives divided. They don't work together. They don't love one another. They fall. Kingdoms divided against itself. Houses uh, divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan... He's divided against himself. <laughs> How shall his kingdom stand? Oh, boy, there's a whole other issue. He, he's got a kingdom, too. <laughs> That's a whole other issue to talk about. But anyway, uh, it says, How shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. Uh, but if I ca But here's the caveat. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God is coming to you. So what makes up a kingdom? Well, first of all, there's got to be a king, right? Uh, there's got to be a king. There's got to be a territory. There's got to be an area. There's got to be an area that he rules over. So when we're finding, when we're trying to find a kingdom, uh, we need to find what area is he ruling over uh, uh, and, what, uh, uh, and who is the king. Well, uh, uh, the king uh, is none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, and when we want to look at uh, where is this kingdom, where is it, where is it located? Uh, 
Is it in Israel today? <laughs> well, uh, uh, let's take let's take a look at that uh, if we can. Uh, let's turn over to John uh, and let's turn about uh, John chapter uh, eighteen. In John chapter eighteen, uh, the uh, the the uh, the high priest have gone out with their soldiers uh, as Jesus was praying uh, that night after he had prayed in the garden and. Uh, the disciples had been watching, and Judas Iscariot, one of the apostles, had gone and betrayed the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and for 30 pieces of silver. Great lesson there, uh, if you want to tie that back to Joseph, uh, uh, and the fact that his brothers sold him uh, uh, into Egypt uh, uh, for 30 pieces uh, of silver. Uh, but as we look at this, uh, Jesus is there praying. He knows they're coming for him. The high priest and their soldiers come and take him away, and they take him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, and Caiaphas examines him and questions him here, as it's mentioned in, the, in this 18th chapter. And when the high priest uh, uh, was done with him. It says in verse 28, Then led Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves were not not into, into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. So, Boy, we got this group of, uh, uh, of pharisaical priests and uh, so forth. They couldn't go with Jesus. They sent him by way of other soldiers to the judgment hall. But they couldn't go themselves because they might become defiled uh, and uh, and uh, not be able to a- eat the Passover. So they couldn't go get dirty and uh, be around these old dirty Gentiles uh, and any kind of judgment that might take place at this time. Uh, so Pilate went out unto them and said, What accusation bring you against this man? Uh, and they answered and said unto him, if he, were, if he were not a male factor, we would not have delivered him up to thee. Then Jesus, uh, then Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews said, uh, Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Had they already made up their mind what they wanted? They had already made up their mind what they wanted done. But hey, we can't do it, so we're bringing him to you. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we can't put this man to death, but so we're bringing him over to you, Pilate, so you can take care of it for us. Uh, we want you to get your hands dirty. Uh, so then Pilate entered in. Uh, let's go back to uh, verse 32. And the saying of, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall and again called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? We've already had Jesus tell us that uh, in in Matthew chapter 12 uh, that if he was casting out devils by the power of the Spirit of God, the kingdom was come. Now Now you've got these people are accusing him of going around saying he was the king of the Jews, and he was. Uh, but they come and says, Art thou the king of the Jews? Uh, and you know what they were looking for? They were looking for a worldly kingdom that was going to displace the Roman Empire. That would have made him a threat. Uh, they, the, 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 the high priest and the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees of the day, uh, they couldn't believe that anybody would come that would actually be their king. They'd been looking for the king. They'd been looking for a Messiah to come. But when he came, they said, surely this man's not him. Uh, Can't be this guy. 
uh, couldn't be, couldn't be. Uh, and he's blaspheming, saying he's the, the son of God. And so they take him down to the to Pilate, and they take him to the ju- the Pilate takes him to the Jewish hall, uh, judgment hall, and begins to ask and say, "Art thou the King of the Jews?" And Jesus answered and says, to "The thou, sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it tell it thee of me?" So Jesus is questioned back to him and said, "Is this your question?" Or did somebody else tell you to ask me this question, right? And so Pilate answered, am I Jew? In other words, would I know this? Thine own nation and chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Pilate's asking really, you know, you think about the, the ruling position that he's in. What is it you've done that your own people would bring you and turn you over to me? They hate the Roman occupation, Although there were people that were working with the Romans on the sly a little bit, you know, to make sure everything was working out okay for them. Uh, but he says, what have you done that they would bring you to me? What, what's going on? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom... Not from hence. And I think probably that last portion of that scripture may be one of the most interesting parts that I've looked at recently just in meditating about some of these things. First of all, Jesus looks at him and says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my soldiers would fight so that I wouldn't be delivered to the Jews, much less to you. But now, there's that interesting little bit, now is my kingdom not from hence. Sort of indicates that at one point, that some point in time, his kingdom may be from hence. uh, uh, But as of now, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay, Jesus, well then... If you're king, if you're the king, and you've got a kingdom, and you've already cast out uh, devils by the by the power of the, by the spirit of God, by the power of the spirit of God, and said your kingdom is here. Prophecy of Daniel said your kingdom was going to come during the time of these kingdoms of this earth that were going to be set up here, and you're saying, but your kingdom's not. Other. What kind of kingdom have you got then? Let's turn over, if we can, back in uh, the book of John to chapter 4. I think we'll begin to get some glimpse and some clues about this kingdom. This kingdom, my friends, uh, and, and we'll, look at another, <clears throat> we'll look at another place too uh, over the book of Luke. Uh, but as we think about this kingdom here and what he's describing, uh, he begins to tell us uh, uh, chapter 4, as you know, is about Jesus traveling from Judea uh, through Samaria uh, and going to, uh, going to Galilee. Uh, and as he does, he comes to Jacob's well, uh, and there's a woman of Samaria there, and Jesus asked her to give him a drink of water, uh, <clears throat> which was something the Jews would have not normally done to the Samaritans uh, and asked them to do anything or touch anything that would be related to them. But our Lord was different, my friends. He loved people out of every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. And uh, he was kind to those that were unkind to him and so forth. He displayed the very things that you and I uh, should be living out in our our daily living. And as he he did this, it says... uh, 
the woman, verse 9, the woman of Samaria, uh, uh, <clears throat> then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Uh, Jesus would have given her uh, a water that, uh, he says, if you, had, if you had gotten of this water, you'd never thirst anymore. Uh, uh, and it would be a well of water springing up within her. It's a spiritual well of water, of, of God's uh, outpouring in her life. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, and the woman, verse, uh, verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst neither come uh, hither to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast said well, uh, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he to whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that that thou hast said truly. So uh, you've been married five times, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. Uh, and so when you said you didn't have a husband, you were, you were speaking the truth. Uh, Sound, you know, people, that sounds like somewhere today, right? That uh, somebody's been married five times and now there's, you know, anyway. So uh, he says, but you've said that you that truly that uh, the one you're living with now is not true. And the woman, woman saith to him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> he just met her for the first time, asked her to give him a drink of water. And then all of a sudden, he's standing there asking her, says, you, you need to go tell your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you're right. You've been married five times, and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. And, so, and now suddenly she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <clears throat> she recognized, this Samaritan woman recognized there was something. Who wouldn't have recognized there was something about a stranger that comes up to you and begins to tell you all about yourself and what you've done and it says uh, the woman saith unto him sir i perceive the doubt of prophet our fathers worshiped in this mountain and ye say in jerusalem ye talking about the jews say in jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship and jesus saith unto her woman believe me the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at jerusalem worship the father uh there's going to come a time where uh, what people have worshipped and revered as far as the temple in Jerusalem, it's going to be torn down. Uh, it's going to be, there's not going to be a block, le- one block left upon another uh, there in that place. And so he says, uh, and you're not going to worship here in, in this mountain where you worship any longer. Uh, ye worship, verse 22, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. We understand, uh, he's giving some understanding, at least saying, we know that there's a Messiah and that seed is coming through the Jews. It's coming through the tribe of Judah. We know what we worship. You, on the other hand, don't know exactly what you worship. He says, but in verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's a spirit. If we're going to worship him, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
I'm going I'm going to make at least a, a leap of faith and logic here. I hope you follow follow with it and say, This kingdom, you know why it's not of this world? You know why it's not a worldly kingdom? Because it's a spiritual kingdom. It's a kingdom you can't see unless you've been born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, and so, uh, as we begin to realize and understand this, you know why the world can't find it? Why the world can't see it? Well, there's many reasons. One, or, or there's several reasons, maybe I should say. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's the reasons that maybe they haven't been born again. <clears throat> We'll, we'll examine that a little bit as one of these legs that we'll look at is, how do you come to see, how did you come to see that God had a kingdom that was above all the kingdoms of this world, uh, and you've, uh, you've been blessed to enter into it from time to time and rejoice in it and get the benefits of it. But you, if somebody were to ask you, well, where do I go? Well, you say, well, Come and, come and follow me. Come and let's go to church. Well, okay, that's one place that you might find a... Uh, oh, with, uh, this is my, my sci-fi mystery series here. Uh, you might find a portal of entry uh, at a church. Then again, you might not find a portal of entry at a church. <laughs> uh, there, there might be churches that have turned their church into such a worldly exercise. It's no longer a spiritual kingdom. Uh, and we need to be aware... And on guard, and 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 think about the fact our, our our church gatherings together. It needs to be a spiritual gathering. It needs to be a spiritual worship. If we're going to worship God, we must worship Him in spirit and truth, because He is a spirit. God's kingdom is not of this world, but it's everywhere in this world. Now, now go figure that out, right? <laughs> Go, go. You say, well, it's a mystery. That's correct. It's hard for people to understand with their natural, carnal minds. But with the spiritual gift that God has given us, we can see that there's a kingdom here that we can enjoy. We can step in through the portal sometimes. Uh, uh, there's, play, there's people uh, uh, that, uh, that are listed throughout scriptures. Uh, when Jesus came preaching, uh, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was close. It was there. Uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus had brought a kingdom in because the king had come. And the king was about to be glorified. And the king was about to go to his honored place on the right hand of the throne of the Father. Uh, uh, waiting uh, uh, to the kingdoms of this world be made the kingdom of our God. Oh, uh, so uh, there are those that were that were close to it at times. Uh, uh, let's see if I can turn and find. Well, let's see if we can find a, a portion of scripture that I want to look at real quickly. Uh, uh, because if this kingdom uh, is a worldly uh, is is not a worldly kingdom, uh, uh, and uh, <clears throat> and we think about some of those things that are recorded in uh, in scriptures, uh, uh, we find on on other occasions there were people that were. Waiting on the kingdom. Uh, kind of interesting uh, interesting thought to, to think about. And there were those that sometimes were nigh unto the kingdom. Uh, and there were those that were close to the kingdom. So uh, if we can, we'll, we'll look at some of these things uh, uh, in coming days, coming, uh, coming weeks, and, and so forth as we begin to kind of go through some of these scriptures. And we trust that we can. So uh, he tells us here, this, this kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. 
that's, that's the reason everybody can't see it. Everybody doesn't have eyes to see and ears to hear. Oh, uh, can you imagine, can you understand now why Jesus on occasions would be teaching people? And he says, to him that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Uh, to him that has an eye to see these things, uh, uh, see them, enter them, follow after these things. Uh, because everybody doesn't have it and everybody that's born of the Spirit doesn't use it. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Maybe we'll use this to close it out for today. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, he says this. Jesus was teaching on the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. There were multitudes that had gone up and he went uh, seen, and seen the multitudes. It says that he went up to... Uh, went up to into a mountain and was set and set his feet. Uh, and when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened up he opened up his mouth and taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." So we want to we want to know as brother adam as brother adam has talked to us some about uh in uh in uh, matthew chapter 18 and matthew chapter uh 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 chapter 19 in fact we can find a, a couple of things that uh, uh that relate to this but in, he tells us so so now we find out that the poor in spirit theirs is not theirs will be Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So uh, how do we possess it right now? By being humble and poor and contrite in spirit. I love, as, I, as I mentioned uh, several times over the course of talking about some of those attributes of the, of the uh, church that God would have us to be. I quoted that portion of scripture or read that portion of scripture that we find over in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, where he says, uh, this is the man. Uh, for uh, uh, This is the man that I will look upon. Talking about the Lord. Isaiah 66 and 2. But to this man will I look, look uh, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Who is it that God respects? Who is it that God looks to? Somebody that's poor and of a contrite spirit. Talking about humility. Uh, he says humility and contriteness and trembling at the word of God. This is the man that God looks upon. So he tells us here in the Sermon on the Mount. How does he start the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he goes through and gives us a whole list of realms, and we'll come back and look at this at uh, sometime. I think during the course of this, uh, uh, but that word "blessed" there, uh, as we talked about last week, means happy. Uh, it means to be blessed, to be happy, to be joyous. Uh, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom uh, uh, of heaven. Let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 18 uh, uh, where the brother Adam's been talking to us some, uh, 18 and 19. Uh, and it says, uh, at that same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him. And set, and set him in the midst and said, Verily I say unto thee, except ye be converted and become as little children, 
you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we, we now know uh, that if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be born again. Uh, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you've got to become like a little child. In other words, you've got to see yourself small and unimportant. Uh, and God is big and very important. Uh, you've got to be humble uh, and, and, and cr- be crouched down because blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I can see, uh, my friends, and I I want us to think about this. Uh, We can be dwelling all around the kingdom of heaven. We might even can see the kingdom of heaven, but not be entering into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we haven't got the right attitude, the right spirit, and the right right manner to enter in. Uh, uh, so it's important that we take these things on in the in the right in the right way. Uh, uh, we turn over to uh, back to Matthew chapter five, and again, I know I'm skipping back and forth a little bit, but he says in Matthew chapter five, verse uh, verses seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen: Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, pass uh, one jot uh, or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach men to uh, men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Alright, so positionally, if we want to be the least... What we do is we teach people the thing, the commandments of God, uh, but then we don't do them. In fact, we teach people not to do them. Uh, Therefore, who shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so? So you break the least of God's commandments and you teach other people to do the same. He says, this guy's called the least in the kingdom. Uh, Well, anyway, I could drive off down a path on, on that about commandments of God, uh, about honoring life and maybe teaching people uh, to honor life, or maybe you teach people not to honor life. Uh, And uh, uh, he says, these are the least in the kingdom. And then he goes on and says, uh, but but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you want to be the greatest, be converted and be as a little child. You want to be great, teach and do the things of of the commandments of God. Uh, and you'll be great. You want to be blessed? Be poor in spirit, for yours will be or is the kingdom of God. I tell you, we begin to explore some of these things and look at some of these things. I think sometimes we come to church, but we don't enter into the kingdom of God while we're here. We've got too many things distracting us. Too many things on our mind. Too many places that we think we have to, have to go. And too many things that we're thinking about. But if we want to enter into the enter into the kingdom while we're here. You can be in church and not see it. You can be in church and not enter it. You can be in church and not be blessed by it. But I, I, th- I want us to come to see the kingdom of God is God's kingdom that's worldwide. But it's a spiritual kingdom. And uh, the Bible tells us over in the book, in the book of Luke. Uh, I believe about chapter 17, he tells us uh, over there, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Why? Because God is a spirit and he dwells in you spiritually through the new birth. Let's enter into the kingdom. Let's let's spend part of our part of our year saying, you know what? I don't want to just be around the kingdom. I want to enter into the kingdom. I don't want to just be close to the kingdom. I want to feel it in my life and I want to 
uh, worship God in the kingdom of God in spirit and in truth. May God bless us as we look at some of these things. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll get off to not only seeing what's a description of the kingdom, uh, but how we can possess it and have a great position uh, within it and be blessed of the Lord. May God bless you. That's our prayer.